Good morning again, and, and welcome. Um, if, our main passage this morning is going to be Psalm chapter 1. It's both in your worship guide, or if you have a Bible, it's obviously in there as well. So I do encourage you to take one of those so that you can follow along um, in the psalm this morning. So the psalms are the prayer book of God's people. And in this sense, they, they stand out in this unique way among the holy books of all faiths. And they are this great gift. So at the middle of your Bible is a book that is saying to you, God wants to be in a relationship with you. The God of all creation. He wants to be in a living and vital relationship with you. This thing is not just about God telling you what to do. It's about you actually coming into this relationship and bringing all your needs to bear before him. It's not just about a spiritual life or a life after you die. It is about all of life now and forever. And you entering into this relationship in which you speak to the living God and he hears you. That's what this book of Psalms is about. Now, I want you to picture this morning that the Psalms are like a house. This house in which God is inviting you, whoever you are, wherever you're coming from, He is inviting you to live in this house with Him. To live with Him. But then, Psalm 1 is sort of the doorway into that house. It is the doorway that you walk through in order to enter this house of relationship with God. Now the first thing that we have to deal with in Psalm 1 is this first word, blessed. Blessed is the man. What do we think blessed means? What does it mean to you? To be blessed. What would it mean to you to be blessed? What are the things that come to mind when you think of this word? You know, one of the first things I thought of this week when I was thinking about this word are those license plates that people put on their cars that say blessed. Or I don't, I don't do Twitter or X as they call it now, I guess, but I've heard of these hashtags blessed. What, what do you think people mean when they use those things? So for, with the cars, for instance, I've never seen one of those license plates on like a rusted out 30-year-old pickup or a 20-year-old Civic. I've just never seen it on one of those. And call me cynical, but I'm taking that as something of what they mean by blessed, that their bins blesses them or something like that, right? Think of the things that come to your mind and, you know, in our culture, in our world, of what it means to be blessed. Often it does have something to do, right, with maybe family, which is wonderful. Maybe provision, which is wonderful. But all those things that we think of, at least I think of, and I presume that hopefully some of you were, were similar in this way, all those things on some level can be taken away from us, right? 
We sang a song last week called It Is Well. That's a traditional Christian song. And it was written in the midst of tragedy. When everything, these things that we're thinking of that have to do with blessing, everything was taken away from this guy. And somehow he wrote this incredible song that says, It Is Well. In the midst of the absence of all those things that we traditionally associate with blessing. Now here's the question that I'm wondering about when I, hear, when I think of this word. Does Jesus' life fit into our definition of blessed? And I, I know this is a serious turn, right? I'm making a serious sharp turn here. If you knew a guy in his 30s, early 30s, single, virgin, seriously, most people don't like him. And he dies. Would you think blessed. Would you? Come on. Would you? I, I, don't, I don't think most of us would automatically go to that category. Here's, here's the problem though. In the mindset of the Bible, Jesus's life is the answer to Psalm 1. When we say blessed is the man, in, growing up in high school, we talk about that guy is the man. And I don't know what we meant by that. But in this psalm, Jesus is the man. Jesus is the man. The entryway. Listen, God is inviting you into a house of relationship to him. In which you live into a vital and active relationship with him. And the door into that house. And in fact, perhaps the house itself is Jesus. Jesus is the man. So the first thing I want to do with you in the psalm this morning is walk through this psalm and show you that that's true. So in the psalm, we have blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Jesus is the only man. Who hasn't stood in or walked in the counsel of the wicked. Nor sat in the seat of scoffers. In some way been persuaded by the ways of the world and walked in them. Jesus is the man who fully delighted in the law of God. So in our gospel this morning, we hear people testing him. What is the most important law, right? And Jesus is the one who can condense God's law into its most essential factors that include all of it. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is the man who delights in the law of God. You know, the Bible like the best of books, it often speaks in pictures. The best books you'll ever read are books where the author oftentimes will speak in pictures. Children's books do this, don't they? And then even the best adult pictures, adult literature does this as well. Well, the Bible speaks in pictures. And what are the pictures in Psalm 1? One is a tree. A tree, right? This vibrant tree. And in the Bible, oftentimes, trees are not just trees. They're also people. So Isaiah has this beautiful prophecy about the Messiah where he says, Out of the stump 
of Jesse. This dead stump will come a new shoot. And the Messiah will come from the lineage of David. If, if people are trees, who could this tree be? This tree in Psalm 1 that we're told is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Jesus is this tree. But there's another picture here of water. Now, if this is a picture, who could the water be? Anybody? Fran got it. Fran got it. The Holy Spirit is the water. Do you remember Jesus himself has to be baptized? Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove. Jesus himself, the Son of God, is rooted in the life of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're told that this tree, his leaf never withers. What does that mean? Well, do you remember this summer when we went through a lengthy period with no water? Trees are drying out, but when you look by a stream bed, it's amazing to see it. You would look by stream beds and they were one of the few places that were still bright green. And the trees, the leaves on the trees were still alive. You know, people go through droughts in their lives too, don't they? Haven't you gone through droughts in your life? Periods of great suffering or difficulty? What this psalm is saying is that the person who is planted and rooted in the life-giving stream of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of suffering, their life will not cease to bear fruit. Now, I want you to think about this with the life of Jesus. What was the period of greatest suffering in the life of Jesus? Jesus was hung on a tree. He was nailed to a tree the cross. And Jesus caused even that cross to bear the greatest fruit that could ever be born. Do you see this? Jesus, in his greatest suffering, bore the greatest fruit. His suffering created the fruit of forgiveness of sins for anyone who would believe in him. For anyone who would follow him, they would be forgiven of their sins and they would bear fruit. They would never cease to bear fruit. So Jesus, he is this tree and he's rooted in the life of God and in the, in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus in his life, he never ceased to bear fruit. In all that Jesus did, even in his death, he prospered. You see, this psalm is about Jesus. Jesus wants to invite all of us into a life of blessing. And here, we need to redefine what blessing means for us. How should we define it? Blessing, according to the Bible, is to be near to God. That's why the song, It Is Well, could be written. Because even though everything in life can be taken away from you, being near to God cannot be taken away from you. This is blessing. This is the essence of blessing in your life to be near to God. 
And Jesus is the way into that nearness. So this psalm, one of the things I really want you to hear this morning, all of us, is that this psalm is not something that God is telling you to do. It's not more stuff for you to do. It is someone for you to follow. That's what God's inviting you into here. He's inviting you to be with him, to follow him. And Jesus is this door that he wants you to walk through in order to experience deep living relationship with God. Blessing. Nearness to the creator himself, to the God of all. So that you would never experience a season, even in your suffering, where you don't cease to bear fruit. Where in all that you do, you prosper. And this may not look like it according to the world's definitions of blessings. But it will. It will be blessing. Not just to you, but to others as well. So I, I want to walk through this psalm now. And this isn't going to take a long time. But... One of the things that we need to hear is in order to enter into this psalm, into this vital relationship with God, and to walk with the Lord Jesus, one of the first things we have to recognize is that, you know, we talk about as we get older and as we're adults that life is very complicated, right? We look at the world and life just seems so complicated. But one of the gifts that God gives us and that the Bible gives us is that at its heart, there are only two ways that you can live. At its heart, there are only two ways that you can live. This is what the psalm's laying out for us, and Jesus lays it out for us as well. This psalm is broken up into two paths, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And Jesus does this same thing in his teaching. Jesus says that the way is narrow, which leads to life. And there are few who find it. But the way is broad that leads to death. And there are many on that path. Do you see the psalm and Jesus are saying the same thing. All of us in our lives. No matter how complicated life gets for us. And the choices that we have to make. There is a sense in which our lives are still very simple at the base. From a day to day basis we have choices to make. About a path that we are going to follow. Are we going to follow the way of the righteous. And the narrow way. With the Lord Jesus and in nearness to God? Or are we going to follow the broad way and the way of the wicked? And these are real choices that we have to make on a daily basis. Who are we with? Who are we following? Jesus wants to lead us on this narrow way and on the way of the righteous. So, Jesus, uh, in this psalm, we, we hear that. He is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And all the time we have choices to make about the kind of people that we're going to be with and we're going to align ourselves with in our lives. I heard this great story some years ago. I was with a group of guys and they were actually talking about this psalm. And a man told a story. His office, he was in downtown Baton Rouge. His office was in downtown. And he could look out his window and there was a street there. And there was always this group of guys who hung out underneath this street, uh, underneath um, this tree on the street corner. And he knew that this group of guys were into no good. They used drugs. They sold drugs. They were a bad crowd. 
And he would talk about that over the years he would see younger guys who would walk down this same street. And he saw this real thing play out where the young guys would start out walking on the other side of the road. And they would walk past that crowd of guys. And they would walk that path day after day. But eventually he saw this thing happen where those same guys who used to walk on the other side of the road started walking down the street on the same side of the road where those guys hung out. And they would walk down the street and they would walk down the street. But then eventually those guys, you know what they started to do? They started to stop under the tree and talk with those guys. And eventually... After stopping to talk there day after day, they became a part of the group. You see, this is what happens in our lives. Our lives, our decisions don't exist in a vacuum. They're not isolated. All our decisions, no matter how small they seem, they put us on a trajectory in life towards something and away from other things. And the question that all of us have to ask, and I want to especially encourage our young people here, We have to ask ourselves, who are the people that we're aligning ourselves with? Who are the people that we're spending time with that we're letting shape our lives? And it it goes the same as we get older. The people around us will determine the people that we become. Paul says this too, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Who are the people that you're aligning yourself with? Jesus wants to bring you into nearness to him and relationship with him. And to do that, you may have to leave some people behind. You may have to walk closely with him and people who align themselves with him. So we do have to think about who we're with. In contrast to aligning ourselves with the wrong people, we're told that this person, he delights himself in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, this is a thing that I really want to encourage you with today. How is it that we're to delight ourselves in the law of God? How is it? I really believe that meditation is the path into delighting. God's law is not always something that we enjoy at first. If we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us could admit this. God's law is not something we always appreciate upon the first taste. Have you ever seen a a child that has tasted alcohol for the first time and they like spew it out, right? None of you want to admit that you've let your child taste alcohol. I realize that, but... A lot of people don't like it the first time, but somehow they begin to enjoy that taste later in life, don't they? Listen, God's law, as sinners, God's law is not always attractive to us at first. It's an acquired taste for us, but it is a good thing that we need to learn to delight in. I'm watching, the World Series is happening right now. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, go Rangers, okay? But here's what I find, the more that I check the score, the more I begin to delight myself in that. The way to delighting is by meditating. Are you spending time in your life meditating on God's law? And here, I I really want to challenge you in this. The only way to do this 
We like to think that we're such good people that spontaneously, of our own goodwill, we will just feel the desire to do good things and we'll pick up God's law and we'll read it. It does not work that way. If you want to delight in the things that God delights in, you have to make yourself do it. And the only way to do this is to fix times in your life in which you will dedicate yourself to God's word and you will meditate on it. So I want to challenge all of us to create time in our lives. Here's what people have called this through the eras of the church. Fixed our prayer. Times of the day that you set aside, morning and evening of the most specific times, you, it doesn't have to be forever, but times in the day where you set aside time and you read God's word. And I want to share this with you as a, an example of something you can use. These are books in the back that our church uses. It's called a book of common prayer and it has prayer services in it. Some are long, some are very short. All of you should have one of these. This is a way that our church can unite together so that all of us are reading and praying in God's word. If we sell out of these, we'll, we'll, they're $15. Um, that's a discounted rate for today. No, I'm um, just kidding. If we, if, we, yeah, if we sell out of these, we'll get more. You need, this isn't legalism, okay? You need hours in your life that you set aside to pray and to find, begin to define, find delight in God's law. This is what the Lord Jesus did. And he invites us to do it too. And Jesus is inviting us to be joined to him. As the tree that bears its fruit in its season. This is what Jesus says. He's the vine. We're the branches, right? Now, this is the way of the righteous. This is the way that Jesus wants to bring us on. There's another way, too, that we have to close with. There is the way of the wicked. And here we, it's in verse 4, we're told that the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. What we're being told here is that the way of the wicked has no roots to it. And so it's going to go any way that the wind goes. It has no substance to it. That way of going away from God, of not listening to God's law, of not obeying Him, it has no substance or rootedness to it. And so it will just blow you in any direction. And listen, this is something of what's happening in our world right now. We're in this moment in our world where all past things are being questioned, right? We're questioning everything. And in some ways, that can be good. We're questioning old assumptions. But let's make sure that we don't throw out everything. Because if we throw out everything, we have no roots to ourselves. And we'll blow any way the wind goes. We have to make sure, as God's people, that we're rooted in the teachings of Jesus and in the teachings of the apostles. Which is the church through history. So that we're stable and that we're rooted Please make sure that you have a rootedness in your life. That you're not being blown any way that the wind goes. Therefore, we're told, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I want to close with you from a story from C.S. Lewis has this wonderful little book that all of you should read called The Great Divorce. 
It's a story about heaven and hell. And Lewis is not saying this is exactly Bible. It's not on the level of the Bible, okay? So take that for what it is. But it's a beautiful story. And here's what Lewis says about heaven. He says, in heaven, things are more real than we could ever have imagined. He says, the grass is so firm that when you get there, at first it hurts your feet. But he says, as you get closer and closer to God himself in heaven, you yourself become more real. And gradually your body adapts and it becomes more and more perfect and glorious so that the grass doesn't hurt you anymore. It's a beautiful thing. But here's what happens with the wicked in this story. He says they, become, they turned in on them, themselves so much that they're actually more like ghosts. You can even see through them. It's as if they're not even real. And in this story, Lewis imagines that these people are still being able to decide whether they will move closer to God and to his kingdom or whether they will move further away and deeper into hell. And many of these people Lewis has in his story are choosing to move further away from God and more into hell. And what happens as they do that is they shrink more and more and they become less and less real. They diminish until they are nothing. Again, it's a story. But I do want to offer this point to you of what the Bible is saying. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. They will flourish. In all that they do, they will prosper. Just like the Lord Jesus. Even in his suffering, he prospered. And if you follow his way, you will prosper too, no matter what life throws at you. But the way of the wicked, that way has no substance to it. And the only possibility is that that path will diminish. It will perish. And you will perish with it you will become less and less real. But if you follow the Lord Jesus, His mercy and His forgiveness, you will become more and more who God has made you to be. More and more real in His presence. So where are you? Where are you this morning? The Lord Jesus is the true man. Are you following that true man? Are you repenting of your sins, acknowledging that your way is not the right way, but his way is? The Lord Jesus is inviting you so that he can forgive you of your sins and make you more and more who he's made you to be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.